up, everybody? This is Aaron, and we're representing the Big Gold Belt Podcast, wrestling podcast. I'm going to cut a solo podcast today, just a real quick one. Uh, we recently podcasted as a, a large group on one of our recent episodes, episode six, I want to say. And it was about the news of ROH debuting on Destination America next Wednesday, preceding as well as following a new episode of TNA Impact Wrestling, which is going to be moving for the first time to Wednesdays, having had its last Friday broadcast this week. I'm coming to you on Saturday, May 30th. I'm probably going to wait and post this tomorrow during the morning, prep everybody during the day and hold you over for the uh, WWE Elimination Chamber live special on the WWE Network. Uh, We have a lot of exciting content coming to our podcast channel here over the next week or so. Tomorrow night, unless um, my niece is born tomorrow, which we're kind of waiting to hear on that, uh, we're going to join you as the entire five-person crew following Elimination Chamber for our immediate reactions and review of each match as well as the entire show. Uh, Dwayne posted a preview. If you check out our social media pages on Facebook and Twitter, D-Wayne, a.k.a. Dwayne, posted a preview of his uh, mini-pod series he's going to do on a solo tip. He's going to be uh, profiling some of the victims of the Cena monster crush list. Uh, his, I'm going to go ahead and just play you his preview, and you can watch the video version on our social media if you want to. But here's what Dwayne had to say while driving in the car today. Check this out. This is D-Wayne from the Big Gold Belt Podcast. We started something new. Yes, I'm driving right now, but this topic is very, very exciting to me. We're going to call this the Minicast. The Minicast presents the Cena Monster Files. Every week, we're going to summarize the people that John Cena has stopped their momentum, stopped their push within the WWE. Look forward to the first episode. I give you a hint. We're here. Check this out this week on the Big Gold Belt Podcast. I, for one, am looking very, very much forward to that. Uh, I do recommend you check out the video. Dwayne is hilarious. Uh, Having spent time with him in New Orleans for WrestleMania 30, I can confirm that he is our group comedian, and I very much look forward to uh, the Cena Monster Files, uh, his mini-cast, which he's going to do once a week, from what it sounds like. Um, I think that's what's cool about our show. It's what's going to hopefully set us apart from the countless other wrestling podcasts that you have available to you, uh, of which many I follow on personal level. Um, But we're going to try and get you um, a bulk of content, many, many episodes. I will be surprised if we don't hit episode 100 before Christmas this year. We're going to try and give you guys regular, consistent output. And uh, it's a great vehicle for any of us when we feel inspired by professional wrestling. The five of us, of course, being mega fans, uh, obsessive and nerdy about it, if you will. Whenever we want to put something out there, we have the freedom to do that, whether it's solo, uh, like I'm doing today, like Celis did today um, in a very touching episode um, regarding how wrestling kind of relates to real-life problems, real-life illnesses. I highly encourage you to check out Episode 7. That went up today, um, Saturday, as I'm recording this. What I wanted to talk to you on um, my solo broadcast today, we talked a lot about the problems of TNA Impact Wrestling and Destination America bringing in Ring of Honor Wrestling for a weekly national broadcast preceding as well as following 
TNA Impact Wrestling on Wednesday nights on Destination America. And it sort of has writing appearing on the wall, and it sort of looks like it's going to be bad news for TNA, where they're bringing another wrestling company. Are they being replaced? Are they trying to see which one's better? Um, there's been a lot of cancellation rumors coming up in September for TNA Impact Wrestling on the Destination America Network. You've got to think that if they don't have a TV deal generating TV revenue every week, considering they're not running live events very much to, if at all anymore, that that could spell the end for this company. Personally, I don't want that to happen. I feel like many of us can agree on that. It's always good for professional wrestling to have options, to have alternatives for folks. So I'm really hoping that TNA Impact Wrestling can coexist with Ring of Honor Wrestling on the Destination American Network for the long term. Uh, between that and Lucha Underground, which I'm going to talk about more on a future episode because I just started kind of watching from the beginning because I don't have the El Rey Network, but I've managed to find the episodes online anyways. Um, just having that much wrestling on on Wednesday night, that's not bad for anybody. Um, what I want to do today, though, is a product review of TNA Impact Wrestling based on the fact that I have not followed the product consistently since, oh gosh, I followed it pretty hardcore back in 08 and 09 when I was in college. Um, I had the opportunity to attend a house show. Uh, Samoa Joe was the heavyweight champion at the time, and I want to say he main evented against Scott Steiner. Um, I had a really good time at that house show. I was able to meet a lot of the wrestlers ringside afterwards. They signed and posed for pictures I met. Curry Man, Shark Boy, uh, ODB, AJ Styles, Jeremy Borash, uh, you name it, man. I'll, I'll have to put some pictures up over my years of professional wrestling attendance on our social media. But um, I followed it pretty hardcore back then, and then it started to get to a point where characters were flipping babyface and heel like every other week. It seemed that the storyline booking wasn't consistent. It was just really frustrating to follow, and that's as someone who's followed WWE very consistently since I was a kid, especially I I think I've maybe missed three Raws since WrestleMania 19. Like I follow very, very closely to Monday Night Raw and the pay-per-views. So I cut out on TNA Impact Wrestling around 09, I want to say. I got back into it when I started working professionally, I don't know, 2010, 2011, then I kind of jumped back out again. I followed the storyline where um, Bully Ray, this would have been last year, I want to say maybe summer or fall, where Bully Ray was headhunting for uh, Dixie Carter, wanting to put her through a table, which he ultimately ended up getting to do. And then I kind of tuned back out again. Um, just the inconsistent booking, um, a lot of things felt rushed and you know, being the busy person I am, I kind of have to select my content, what's worth my time, what's not. And I didn't feel TNA Impact Wrestling was worth my time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I hadn't watched an episode in quite a while, but I turned it on this week just to kind of see where I thought the product stood, especially considering they're going to have competition on their own network, as well as competition directly on Wednesday nights from Lucha Underground and the L. Ray Network, and of course the mega monster of WWE along with New Japan and all the other alternatives for professional wrestling that are out there. I wrote down some notes here of things that I thought they did well and things that I thought were negatives. Um, I'll start with the positives. I thought the action and the wrestling quality overall was pretty strong this week. Um, they had what they were theming as their May Mayhem episode of Impact Wrestling. 
And I'll run down the quick results for you. We had um, a cage match for the knockouts title. Taryn Terrell defeated Gail Kim. In a fairly quick match, the dollhouse um, click was out there supporting Taryn Terrell, interfering quite a bit, even though it was a Six Sides of Steel match. After that, we had Mickey James in a segment with James Storm in the ring. We had an X Division uh, gauntlet title match. It was eight competitors ended up with the title change. Um, Rockstar Spud uh, surviving to the end of a 16-minute match and eliminating Kenny King to win the X Division title for the second time. And uh, they hinted at option C quite a bit in a, a post-promo backstage for him because we have um, Destination X coming up relatively soon. And then we had um, the second and a best of five series between the Dirty Heels team of uh, Bobby Roode and Austin Aries, the greatest man that ever lived, versus the Wolves. And the Wolves ended up defeating them, and I believe the score in that series is 2 to nothing in favor of the Wolves for the vacant TNA Tag Team Championship. Uh, we had a segment with Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, EC3, um, competed against Mr. Anderson. Anderson was successful in locking Tyrus in a cage that he had brought to the ring in order to uh, make sure he didn't interfere, but sadly, EC3 was still able um, to hit the one percenter, uh, kind of countering from a second mic check in the match to defeat Mr. Anderson. After that, we had the TNA uh, world title defended uh, by Kurt Angle in a match with Eric Young. It was an I quit match that they kind of alluded to with some pretty fun segments throughout the night. Uh, ended up being a 13-minute affair with Eric Young quitting uh, via the ankle lock from Kurt Angle. So that was the show. Uh, like I said, I thought the wrestling was good. I thought the uh, the Wolves versus the Dirty Heels was probably my favorite match of the night. It was just well-paced. It, it was kind of a spot fest, but between... The really solid announcing, um, telling the story, um, it just seemed like the teams, the whole story seemed to me at least to be that they were just trying to one-up each other and um, position themselves within what I hope will end up being a five-match series. I could watch these guys work um, every night of the week, twice on Sundays. You know, they're great. I've always liked the Wolves and the uh, little I've seen of them on TNA Impact Wrestling. Um, alluding back to the announcing, I thought the announcers, uh, Josh Matthews and Al Snow, did a pretty solid jo uh, job considering that they haven't been working together live on TV that long uh, with Taz recently departing the company and focusing more on his podcast for the moment. Um, I think Al Snow can definitely at least just increase the, the volume of his voice, maybe punctuating uh, his intonations a little bit more, but I think that comes with experience and with gaining more comfort in working with Josh Matthews, who was working the heel stick side of announcing pretty well. Um, it kind of fits pretty nicely with the persona he chooses to exhibit on Twitter, um, which I find very entertaining. And I hope most folks don't take him too seriously because I don't think he takes himself too seriously. I've always liked Josh Matthews ever since. Tough enough. Um, I thought the backstage, set, the backstage segments excuse me, were pretty well done overall. It was nice as someone who hadn't tuned in for a while to have those segments kind of grounding the storyline so I could get caught up for the most part. There were a few matches I was less prepared for storyline-wise. I didn't have as much background on it. It's one thing I think WWE with a three-hour broadcast on Monday Night Raw as well as the excellent packages they run on when they do the pay-per-view shows 
you're able to get caught back up with the story if you missed anything. Um, especially the Angelina Love and Velvet Sky deal. I don't really know much about what's going on with that. I know Velvet kind of just came back after being fired, real or not real, from the company. Um, but I, I didn't understand much background besides that. But I thought the backstage segments were cool. They um, they seem somewhat produced, but also a little bit um, guerrilla-style shot, kind of gritty, very darkly lit, which kind of separates them, at least presentation-wise, from the very well-lit backstage segments during Monday Night Raw or Friday Night, or Thursday Night SmackDown, excuse me, as well as WWE's presentation. Uh, it's a, one thing I'll go back to when I do my podcast about Lucha Underground is that they have such a unique look and presentation, not just for their backstage segments, which are super cinematic, and I, I just love them, but uh, their in-ring presentation between the venue and the lighting and the grittiness of uh, Dario Cueto's temple I just think it's such a cool look. And I'll, I'll get more into Lucha Underground. I want to watch a few more episodes so I can speak intelligently about the product. But um, moving on to what I would criticize TNA Impact for, I think some of the matches were rushed, were too fast, were uh, borderline spot fest. Maybe that was more indicative of the May mayhem theme they were going with for this particular episode. But that's kind of been indicative of a lot of the TNA Impact Wrestling I've watched in the past. It was funny, my um, my wife's gone to a few shows. She went to the first Payback pay-per-view with me uh, in the Chicago area a couple years ago. She's attended WrestleMania 30 with me. We're going to be going to WrestleMania 32 in the Dallas-Arlington area next year. So she's between attending and me having it on here at the house. She's watched her fair share of wrestling. She actually sat through the entire WrestleMania 31 show this year. And it was funny, she had just woken up and I was watching Impact on the DVR from last night and she, it was the uh, the eight-person gauntlet match for the X Division title and she was sat on and watched her for a second with spot after spot after spot and she goes man this is too fast and I said wow you know I must have exposed the poor girl to enough wrestling by now that she can tell when wrestlers aren't doing so much of telling a story as opposed to you know running a spot fest and I mentioned that to her and she was pretty proud of herself that she caught she caught that and what little she watched. It was also interesting, though, going back to a positive tip for a second. I was watching the uh, Mickey James uh, James Storm segment. They were kind of teasing the triangle gimmick with uh, Magnus being involved, pulling in some of the real-life storyline there. And her eyes were kind of glued to the TV when Mickey James was kind of defending her man to James Storm, and she was pretty into that segment. She gets into a lot of the segments when... Um, the female wrestlers are involved. Um, absolutely loves Total Divas. I'm going to try and get her on the podcast and just talk about her um, pseudo-wrestling fandom through me on a future episode. Hopefully soon we'll get her on here. Um, but going back to criticizing, I thought that match was rushed. I also thought, you know, if you're going to do an I Quit match in the main event, they built it up pretty well. They had Kurt Angle and James Storm's James Storm brawl. Not James Storm, excuse me. Um... Eric Young, excuse me, brawl in the parking lot to start Impact. And then they had him kind of locked in different offices. Uh, Eric Young at one point breaks the window of the office he's being detained in with his head. So I was kind of fired up to see how long the match would go and how hard they'd go. It was a pretty hard-hitting match, but it was only 13 minutes, and it's hard for me to believe that you can get a guy to say the words, I quit, in 13 minutes. That just feels rushed. Maybe we could have cut out um, some of the spots that were crammed in the show, if we we're going to have kind of a May Mayhem show, do we really need to have 
the Mickey James James Storm segment in the ring? Do we really need to have the Angelina Love Velvet Sky segment? Could we have cut out the Ethan Carter the third match until maybe next week? Uh, just things like that, because then you could have given Angle and Eric Young, you know, 30 minutes to tell the story, because we just had a pretty solid, at least in my opinion, a solid I Quit match just a couple weeks ago at the Payback pay-per-view. Um, that wasn't by any means a perfect I Quit match, um, but it was pretty solid, and this just kind of paled in comparison, considering the two guys in the ring, both of whom I'm big fans of. So, kind of summing up here, I thought that TNA Impact looked like a company that's definitely not on its last legs. They've got all the talent in the world, although many of them are aging talents. You know, we've got a lot of great workers there who are able to tell a story, who are able to entertain me. Um, I didn't find the two hours cumbersome to watch. I thought it was, I had fun. It was nice revisiting it. I set Impact to record next Wednesday on the DVR along with Ring of Honor Wrestling so I can continue to follow and I'll watch every week as long as I'm interested. If if it becomes a chore, I will stop DVRing or I'll stop watching live. But until that time, you know, you can count on me to be a little more informed about TNA Impact Wrestling. I hope that when they don't have a gimmick Impact Wrestling show, you, you know, May Mayhem or the um, Destination X or whatever they're doing, if it's just a normal episode, I'm hoping that they give the matches a little more time, make things a little less crammed or rushed, um, Work on telling that story. I think that it's going to be a good thing, though. Um, ultimately, that we have Ring of Honor on Destination America, as long as the network sticks with both shows, because then TNA can maybe get more eyes on the product, and it can kind of become a destination. Again, no pun intended. I used that same joke last um, on episode six. It'd be a destination for Wednesday night wrestling if you have the time to watch wrestling that much, and some weeks I do, some weeks I don't. But you, you get a solid three hours of action there between Ring of Honor and TNA. So I hope that they continue to do well. I don't want them to get canceled. I think there's things to continue to fix. I would like to see them bring in some younger talent. I think eventually guys like Bobby Roode, guys like Kurt Angler are going to be moving on either due to age or due to getting other opportunities. I would love to see Bobby Roode, as I said on our recent episode, get a shot in NXT like Samoa Joe just did, I think. It was clear in that, uh, as much as I love the Wolves, it was clear in that tag uh, match in the Best of Five series that Bobby Roode is just on a completely different level than everybody else he was in the ring with. And I would say that you could put him ahead of most talent in that company. And it would be really cool to see him on a bigger platform because he's never really had that big platform like he would be afforded in NXT or WWE. And it would be really cool to see him get there but I think that's going to wrap it up for me today. Um, again, recording this Saturday, it'll probably go up sometime on Sunday before the Elimination Chamber show. And you can count on getting a review from us uh, either tonight, whether I'm on the episode or not, remains to be seen. I hope to be. Um, we'll see when my niece is born. Otherwise, uh, if the guys aren't able to record without me, we'll get it up You know, by Monday, I would hope. So on that note, this is Aaron with the Big Gold Belt wrestling podcast have a great rest of your weekend check out our past episodes we have a lot of good content as i said previously coming up soon and we'll talk to you guys after elimination chamber take care this has been another production of the big goat belt wrestling podcast follow us on twitter at bgb group 